You're listening to the Fitness and Wellness Class, powered by NASM. NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org connected or call one 800 460 6276. Welcome, everybody, to the NASM Optima Virtual Conference. My name is Brandon Wagner, and I will be presenting today on TRX Beyond the Basics. So I welcome you here. I hope you have your straps set up. If you do not have your straps set up, let's not worry about that. Just take and make sure you have a pad of paper. Take some notes. This is going to be a lot of information we're going to be going over to today. I will tell you, you're going to be exposed to roughly 61 different exercises today. My goal is to teach you how to optimize a suspension trainer, really in a coaching learning environment, uh, understanding how much of a unique tool this is and how scalable this becomes. You know, I think a lot of people think of the suspension trainer as a very simple tool in terms of just exercise library. But my goal here is to be able to show you how we really set the standards of movement, how we begin to navigate our modifications where we, as we like to call them, step up and then check down in terms of where we want to scale our exercises for the people that we are working with. So my goal today is to give you as many of these options as we have and kind of teach you that secret sauce behind it in terms of how we begin to layer um, you know, our programming, our coaching, and our approach to foundational movements. You know, One thing that TRX has done a very good job of over the years is really set the standard in terms of functional-based movement and it all is, de is derived around that single anchor point as we all know, right? So you get this really ideal mix of stability, uh, instability, where you're getting really a proprioceptive rich environment. Uh, you have a tilt and sway within it. So it's going to actually activate the core even more so than doing just body weight exercises. And a lot of the research shows that the suspension trainer itself has the ability to be able to give you even more core activation the minute you put your hands over over any single modality. So that's going to be our real goal today. So enjoy the ride. Let's go ahead. I want you to walk. I want to walk through some of these slides with you and make sure you feel comfortable in terms of how we approach this. So here over here, if you take a look, this is just some of our public research that we have. You can see kind of how the timeline looks from 2010 all the way to 2019. You can really see how we upramped a lot of the research here. And I think that What's what I want to point really about this here is to provide you with that the research really helps you to kind of consume a lot of that knowledge and turn that knowledge into actionable experience. So you can begin to really see how what how the research backs up the things that we do. All right. So that's really what I want you to be able to see in that. And over the years, you can see not only how much much research there is, but just that's how much validity there is behind this. So it's not just a, a pair of yellow and black straps. 
All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. And here, I, I want to kind of take you through that secret sauce and kind of how we begin to layer all of our exercises, how we begin to layer our coaching cues and the things that we want to look at as a whole. We always start with the exercise name to begin with, right? Push-up. We know a push-up is an exercise, but it's wrapped around our foundational movement of a push, right? We break things down into seven foundational movements. Push, pull, squat, lunge, you know, uh, rotate, pull, hinge, plank. Those are our seven foundational movements. You'll be getting a good mix of those today. So when you see the exercise name push-up, we know that the foundational movement behind that is going to be the push. From there, all right, you're going to begin to see how we can begin to kind of, you know, step up and check things down in terms of our scalability for our, our clientele, for our groups. And of course, in our virtual world, you know, we got to make sure we really understand how to get that, that across. So to the right, you can see kind of a push-up with your feet elevated and down here, push-up from the knees. So we're taking one particular movement and we're, begin we're beginning to see how we can scale it into so many different exercises. So, you know, to back up that, that, that pyramid again, what I want you to be able to understand is, yes, we have seven foundational movements, but we can distill hundreds of exercises from that from that exercise pyramid, okay? So that's gonna be that, that step there before we begin to add into more things. From here, right, you can see the root of the foundational movement is the push, the plank, they're kind of fused together. That is inherent within a suspension trainer that everything that we do is wrapped around the plank, all right? If you've taken any formal education or you've, you've done any, any, any of your own research on, on suspension training, what you'll begin to see is the plank sets itself in and and really uh, intertwines itself into every single move we do. So it's like a plank with a you know with a push, a plank with a pull, a plank with the squat. That's kind of kind that's going to be the the message that you're going to hear constantly over and over. So right, we've got the push and pull or push and plank in terms of our foundational movements. As we begin to kind of layer more things in here, we talk about functional based training. We know that functional-based training is really this, this thought process of how do we take what we do here in the facility in our gym and turn it into transferable, actionable activities on the outside, right? Real-life activities. So we kind of break this down into what we like to call what should be stable and what should be mobile. The little skeleton you see right there, right, has things that should be moving that, that shouldn't be moving. In the push, the green highlights what should be mobile. And the red highlights what should be stable. And that's really how we define functional training. What should be mobile? What should be stable? You'll see that throughout the rest of the presentation today and within each exercise as well. All right, let's move on so you can see again how we begin to layer things. This is called our movement modification methodology. What you can see here, there are you know, six different layers, pieces of that pie that make all of our foundational movements really uh, a way to understand how well we move. That's something that we've talked about in a lot of our newer courses now is using movement as a vital sign. And I would say that these six components right here are going to help to reinforce that. So we're going to talk a little bit about the movement modification methodology as well. All right, so moving forward, 
This here is what we call our NAPS Mr. Queuing Convention. It, it, seems, it seems simplistic, it can seem challenging all at the same time, but it's really our approach to being able to understand that we have this acronym, NAPS Mister, that helps us to really navigate queuing and simplify. Everything that we're, we're trying to do today is make, you know, do the simple things even a little easier. If you're a coach and you've been coaching for a long time, you find that what you say and what you do almost on autopilot. This is our approach to kind of checking the boxes, make sure we're, we're, we're going through a systematic approach to queuing. The N stands for name the exercise. A stands for the adjustment of the straps. Every exercise that we have has a particular length within it. The P stands for position in relationship to the anchor point. So we have six of those. Three are on the ground and three are standing. So we'll, you'll hear me talk a little bit about that as well. The S is your starting posture. That's the most important one because that's going to set you up for success in the movement itself. And then the M and the R are actually movement cues. The M stands for movement from the start to the middle of the movement. And then the R is returning from the middle of the exercise back to where we began. So that's our NAPS Mystery Cueing Convention. Adding more layers to this. Now you can see here we have body checks, common faults, and swing thoughts. Body checks, we want to make sure these are the things that we're looking for, we're observing, that we're talking to as a coach. Common faults, these are the things that we're going to begin to see that come up within movements. Every single exercise that we know as coaches has a particular common fault. The swing thoughts are ways to correct common faults. So it's a simple cue that gets your, your clients and your classes to go, oh, I know what he or she is talking about with a simple communication cue. You know, communication is really key. And it's not about what you know, it's about how well you coach. That's gonna really make a difference between you and your client, making sure that they understand what you're talking about. So we continue to move on, all right? Gonna get rid of that. We're gonna, gonna move in uh, to, let's see what we got here. All right, our movement modification methodology, right? So now you kind of seen how we layer all these things together. The first thing we're going to talk about is accuracy, and that's going to really be our standard setter, right? There is a particular way to do a movement, and we want to make sure that we do that, right? Accuracy is super important. It is a standard. Every single movement has a standard. We have a push, we have a pull, we have a squat, we have a lunge. I talked about that. Now, once we understand how to set the standard, right, we, there are other things that we have to consider. We have to talk about mobility. Mobility becomes a super important thing to be able to understand. Not everybody has the same level of mobility. So how we approach this mobility aspect is understanding that, hey, can you maintain the standard of movement and get full range of motion within the exercise? And sometimes we don't always approach it from making, you know, of the exercise by itself. Sometimes we have to approach it from, hey, the first thing we're going to approach is range of motion and mobility as well. Because if you can't maintain the standard through a full range of motion, then maybe we have to approach mobility first. Then we're going to talk a little bit about force load, right? How much body, how much, how much resistance does the exercise, does the body actually have to maintain while doing a good movement? And this is important, right? This goes back to our step ups, right? Our, our step ups and check downs is our ability to be able to modify or progress movements 
based on how my client handles certain load. We know that the steeper we go in a movement, the more load the body is going to be able to be able to have to handle. And thereby, when we're talking about head to toe activity, functional based training, the load can definitely change in each incremental step. And that's going to change how they perform the exercise. So we have to make sure that we accommodate that with our force resistance, understanding that, hey, steeper is harder. Can we step up the exercise or check it down based off of how they're performing the movement? Then we're going to talk about adaptability conditions, right? Adaptability is important, right? This is adaptability and transfer to functional-based movements. So this doesn't just have to apply to suspension training. This is also going to apply to other modalities and other conditions. And when I say conditions, all right, we talk about standards remain the same even when conditions change. So if I teach you the proper way to do a particular movement, but the condition changes, hey, I'm doing a push-up. All right, we'll go back to that, that we'll go back to that example of the push-up. Let's assume I'm doing the push-up and I've I'm really I really have nailed the proper way to do this. But now you change the condition on me as the coach and say, let's do it with your feet up. Let's do it on one leg. Let's do it with a hand on a medicine ball. So we're off tilt and more unstable. Can we maintain the proper standard under these condition changes? whether it be a suspension trainer, whether it be out there in the real world, or maybe it's, or maybe it happens to be with another modality. So again, something to look at as well. Now we're gonna talk a little bit about our speed and tempo. I think this is important to understand as well when we talk about speed and tempo. Speed and tempo doesn't always change the intensity of the particular move. We can slow things down and time under tension can also increase intensity what we want to think in terms of tempo and how we and how we look at it in terms of that is really understanding that speed right speed plus direction is going to change velocity and velocity can change how your body adapts to the movement and how it change and how it and how it moves through the movement as well so understand our checkups our, our step ups and check downs are related to this is moving faster, we can also take some of the mechanical advantage out of it and use speed to our advantage to hide some of our most common faults. So just be very aware that tempo and speed, we can use it to our advantage by slowing things down, time under tension, focusing on quality movement. We can also at times use it for more power production as well. So force production uh, in faster movements as well. And then the last one we're gonna look at is endurance, work to rest ratios. You know, how, how long can your client actually move through a movement and maintain the quality, quality movement throughout it, right? So let's say we said for this go for 45 seconds, can they under a particular condition continue to move with quality form and execution under that amount of time constraint? Or do we have to particularly change that? So work to rest ratios are really important, whether it be, you know, we do it individually by sets, whether we do it individually by, by groupings, that's really understanding, you know, how we decide to program. Programming uh, work to rest ratios, I think are one of the more uh, highly missed advantages that we have in the industry to really allowing our client to adapt well. All right, so now that you kind of have a really good under, I hope you have a really good understanding and how we want to approach this, I want to introduce you guys now to kind of how you begin to see 
this atlas of exercises that we could distill from one particular move. Okay, so when we talk about the plank, I said I had said earlier that the plank itself really is the sits at the pinnacle of this trying of this pyramid. Right, it's the very top. It sets the standard for everything we do. And it's not saying that the plank is more important than anything else. What it says is once you understand the quality of a plank, then you can begin to add that component to other movements. You know, there's a lot of there's been a lot of discussion over the years about bracing versus hollowing as a you know really a practical uh, differentiation between how my body adapts to particular movements. We, are, we at TRX always really follow a lot of the research by Dr. Stuart McGill. And what I'll tell you is we believe in high levels of tension for shorter periods of time to create a strong, stable core, a strong, stable spine. We use that kind of as our platform to everything else we do. Not saying that we don't add longer periods of time. If you're familiar with Dr. Stuart McGill's research, right, a lot of what he suggests is 10 to 15 second high tension planks followed by a five second rest and do that over an incremental amount of repetitions. What he what he's saying is that to increase the strength of the core, we have to be able to at least elicit a minimum of 30% muscle tissue to create strength. Anything under that becomes more endurance based. So we vacillate between back and forth. But ultimately, when we're talking about building strength, and ideally, I think, as a, as a whole, our clients need to get stronger. And the stronger that they, they get, the more endurance they will build along with that. So we take that approach. And, you know, my goal, my, my approach to teaching a lot of my own clients and teaching a lot of the classes that I work with is getting them on that ground. And I'd like to really show them the difference between a plank. And here's my suggestion for anybody who's looking to try to really create an aha moment for a lot of your clients is I have them come on the ground without any coaching. I say, let's do a plank on the ground, right? Elbows and toes. We know what we're looking for, right? We talk about those body checks. What do I want to see? Well, I want to see a level belt line. I want to see ankles to ears are nice and parallel, right? Uh, my, my swing thought may be, I want you to look like a two by four. I want you to look like a surfboard, right? Something actionable that they can visualize in their head and go, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'll give them that 60 second plank if they can hold it. And then after that 60 second plank, I'll ask them on a scale from one to 10, how challenging was this particular movement for you? They may say, you know what? That was a one. Some of them may say that was a 10. It was so hard I couldn't even do that. And now you think about, okay, those people who were at the 10 were really struggling to maintain that. How many common faults showed up during that? Were they, were they beginning to core hollow? Were they beginning to tuck and their hips began to elevate? Were they sagging in the hips and beginning to sink like a sinking ship? Did they lose the stability in their shoulders? What was going on that they, you know, that, that they were able to reach a 10? We clearly know that they didn't have the strength to be able to hold it or the endurance to be able to hold it for that 60 seconds. Um, so that's when I say, let's think about the quality of it and how well we move. So we go, we, go, we, we go back to looking at now, I'm gonna give you some real actionable things to talk about. And from ankle to ear, I want you to think about turning on every single muscle. One of my swing thoughts is I, I like to use this thing I like to call the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle is creating tension in the quads, 
the glutes, and the stomach, right? When you, when you think about those three muscles, we have two in the anterior chain and one in the posterior chain. You connect the dots, right? And you ultimately have like a little Bermuda triangle, right? You have a triangle, right? And that's what I want you to think about in terms of how I would cue this is I want you to, you know, I'm talking to my client. I say, hey, I want you to turn on the Bermuda triangle. That means squeeze your quads, squeeze your glutes, squeeze your stomach as tight as you can. But let's not forget about what we do with the feet. Push those heels away from you. I want you to set the shoulder blades in the back pockets. And I want you to squeeze everything from ankle to ears as tight as you can. And this time we hold it for about 10 seconds and then we rest for five. But I have them do six sets. And then we do the comparison between the two. And I'll tell you, that is that moment where they go, wow, that was absolutely impressive. So that is something that I think for all of you here out there in this virtual world, beginning to kind of, you know, understand this approach to plank-based movements around a suspension trainer. That approach may work very, very well for a lot of your clients is just get them to, to feel it, right? What's the difference between holding it for a long period of time? What things begin to pop up? How hard was it? Now let's really think about actionable activity and turning things on so we really get that muscle to fire up. But they're going, man, I didn't realize I could take exactly the same move and turn it into something completely different. So we start with the plank first, right? And we understand why we do the plank. The purpose is to create strength and stability around the spine and the hips, right? So we can be able to manage forces uh, externally as well as internally. All right, so we look at the plank. And within the plank, the exercise that we're going to look at right now here is a TRX abducted plank. And then to the right of it, you see there's a body saw. That's our step up. And then to the left of it, a TRX plank. Um, you know, on this particular one, we can do it in a way where we can do it standing or we can come down to our knees. There's going to be a couple of ways to do this, right? That one says, says a brace or a hollow. So I want you to walk through me with this. So this is where I'm going to kind of get up and have you guys join me on the suspension trainer and give this a try. All right. So I'm going to step back on over here. Okay. So the first thing, like I said, we're going to do is understanding how to do the plank uh, on a suspension trainer, not on the ground. We want to add the suspension trainer. So the first thing we want to make sure that we do is adjust our straps appropriately. That means we want to go ahead, pull those handles up there towards your kneecaps, okay? So once your handles are at your kneecaps, it's the appropriate height for you to be able to put your feet in. Once I'm here, I'm going to lie back onto my back from here, all right? And I'm going to put my toes through the foot cradles, and then I'm going to roll over. Once I am here, all right, we want to make sure everybody does everything exactly the same. So coaching and cueing is going to be a real vital piece to this. Okay, so from here, I suggest on the hands, move out just a little bit. And when I come up, I want you to think about pulling your toes towards your shins. I want you to push your heels away from you. And then I want you to think about that Bermuda Triangle I talked about. Squeeze the quads, squeeze the glutes, squeeze the stomach. And now let's make a nice solid plank on a suspension trainer. So from here, I'm up, good, squeeze, lock this in place, hold it. You know, we can hold it for that 10 seconds for three, for two, for one, come down. Idea here is to create as much tension as I possibly can. All right, that is gonna be our standard setup. We start on the ground first, we see how they do. If they're really good at it, we put their feet up into the foot cradles. That actually will be your first 
you know, step up because putting your feet into the foot cradles is a change from the ground. That's going to elicit more muscle response. You're going to get a lot more activity from ankle to ear. The instability of the straps, the sway and the tilt within the straps and the anchor point is going to change how your body responds. Let's check it up. Let's see what we can do to check this up a little bit, all right? So from here, I want you to come down to the elbows. I want you to watch this first. We're going to come down to the elbow. This is called a body stop. So we're going to set the plank first, hold this position, and then I'm going to reach my body backwards and then come forwards. Reach my body backwards and come forwards. If we, if we recall, one of the things we talked about in terms of functional activity was what should be stable and what should be mobile. Here, we know the plank, in essence, is a very stable move. It doesn't require a lot of moving around. But our condition change that we just added is now the body saw, where the shoulders become mobile and the, elbow and the rest of the body becomes very stable. So go ahead and give that one a particular a try and see how that feels for you. Just kind of moving back and forth. You don't have to go back very far to get a lot of core activity. So just make sure you can maintain the standard and think about what could happen, you know, to a lot of your clients when they begin to change that, that angle. If you're finding that they're having a really hard time, even with the plank, then let's check it down and let's teach them how they can do this, okay? in a fashion where they're, um, where they're learning how to core hollow from here and they're actually lifting up a little higher and really pulling that navel in a little bit and creating a little bit more flexion in the spine. That's gonna help to eliminate some of the intensity. It's gonna be a little bit easier. Um, and you know, we can also come down to, you can see that there are different options here. We can come down here and do this as well on the ground. Don't have to do it on the suspension trainer. The one thing I did want to show you though was the abducted lunge. This, or the, I'm sorry, the abducted plank. This one has uh, in research shown to create the most amount of core tension within this exercise, within the plank foundational movement. So I'm up here, I'm going to separate those feet slightly and hold it and then bring it back. Bring it out, hold it and bring it back. And that's going to be that's going to be uh, some of the things that, I, again, like I said, that I want you to think about in terms of, you know, you doing, you doing the plank and going from different step-ups and check-downs. So you start with the abducted plank. You see how well they can maintain the standard. If you check it up, great, you're going to see some good progress. As you can see, there are different exercises we can take from there, but we can also go down as well. All right, so that's going to be that particular one from there. And I want to move on to, you can see that that was kind of going over the prone abducted plank. You can see how all of that was kind of layered in there. Swing thoughts, body checks, naps, mister. These are the things you can, can review on your own and kind of put that into action. All right, from here, I do want to try, though, the side plank. So we're going to change the conditions a little bit. We're going to go from, you know, being in a prone position to now being on the side Take a look at the things that we can do from here. From a side plank, we can go side plank with a tap, or we can go side or body weight side plank. So that means, hey, we're getting the feet out of the suspension trainer, and we're just going to do a regular body weight side plank. But let's start with the side plank and the straps first. So let's head on back 
And again, let's go through how we're going to get ourselves into the foot cradles. So from here, again, we're going to hold those, those foot cradles up. We're going to lie back, toes over here. And now I'm only going to turn sideways this time. So hopefully you get a good view of where I am. What I want you to see is my top foot, which is, for me, I'm on my right side. So my top foot is in front of my left foot and my heel and toe are connected, okay? So when I'm reviewing going through my naps, mister, here's what you need to know. We're gonna be doing a side plank. Remember, adjustment was handles at kneecap. Anytime we go ahead, or what we call mid-calf, referring to the bottom of the foot cradles, anytime I suspend my feet, the length of the straps is always going to be mid-calf. Okay, that's consistent. Once I'm there, we know I'm going to be ground sideways. Remember I said earlier we have six body positions, all related to the, to the anchor point. This is going to be ground sideways. Once I'm there, remember I said the S is going to be your most important one because it's going to set you up for success. So I'm going to take my, since I'm on my left side, I'm taking my right foot forward, my left foot back, and putting my heels to my toes. Now, from here, I'm going to put my hand down and press myself up. Here is where I'm going to start. This is it. Now, the tap. I go up and I tap. I go up and I tap for stability. Because you'll find there's going to be a ton of people who really have a hard time being able to stabilize this particular move right here in this here. They're going to need a little bit more assistance with potentially that hand. Okay? So that's what we're looking for in terms of that. You can see where we step up and check down these particular moves and how we can take it up and down. So again, one move, how many times can we change it to make it just that much more effective and scalable for the people that I am working with? All right, so let's continue to move forward just a little bit. We're now gonna talk now a little bit about more pushing and hinging. So we're gonna break out into a lot more movements here, and I wanna be able to have you see more scalability within two different moves. Pushes and hinge, okay? Planks we did, pushes is just a plank with a press. And why did we put hinge here as an important piece? Well, hinging is the gateway to squatting, right? If you don't hinge correctly, then you're likely not gonna be able to squat correctly. So we wanna make sure we get that foundational movement set first. If you're, if you're not familiar with the layout of our pyramid, okay, I wanna walk you through this, is like I said earlier, the plank sits at the top. And as it branches down, you have the pull and the hinge. Why the pull, why the hinge? Well, the, the better you can pull, the better you can push. So we wanna set that foundation first so we can make sure the push becomes more on point. Why again the hinge? Well, like I said, the hinge is the gateway to squat and lunging correctly. So if you can hinge well, then we assume you can also begin to squat and lunge well. And of course our last foundational movement within that is going to be rotation, right? We have lunges already in there and rotational stuff, which happens to be a little bit more separate. So we talk about as a separate in-depth movement. Okay, so here in our push and hinge, the first thing we're going to talk about is a chest press. From the chest press, we're going to layer in, okay, we're going to layer in uh, atomic push-ups, a kneeling push-up. You can see that there. 
And then we're gonna talk about the TRX hinge as well. One of my favorite movements, I love to add this to a lot of my clients' uh, programming. Uh, it just happens to be a very powerful movement that they, either they do it right or they do it wrong, but I'm gonna give you a lot of options within that and then we'll move forward. So let's take a look at how we go from here, right? Let's flip the page on this one and we're looking at it, right? We have the atomic push-up. You can see checkups, atomic oblique push-up and atomic Spider-Man push-up. Those are high level exercises. If they can't do the atomic push-up, you can see real simply, they have the atomic push-up from the knees. So great move intense but it's scalable all right so we're going to come on back i'll leave this here we're going to come on over to our mat again and this is the same thing as it was before it's still a plank so we want to be ground facing away from the anchor point so from here want to hold those foot cradles up again lie back keep them up roll yourself over and get ready for the movement now the atomic push-up happens to be a combination exercise. We like combination exercises. You know, you get a little bit more bang for the buck. In some cases, we like to, you know, combine push or pulls and squats because as the upper body is resting, the lower body can work. So again, our rationale behind everything we do is to try to create as much effectiveness as we possibly can by pairing movements together. So you're going to see that in the atomic push-up. That you'll see some real uh, combination of core, you know, a little bit of legs, and primarily plank and push. So we know what the push-up looks like. Let me show you this first. We're up, holding this position. We set the plank, drop the chest between the hands, come up. There's my push. Now we're going to add the crunch. The crunch is a simple holding this position, knees the chest, and then come back to a plank. All right, now we're going to fuse those two together to create the atomic push-up, which is here, up, we're down, in, down, in. Now, remember what I said earlier, tempo can definitely hide a lot of common faults. It can make things easier, it can make things more powerful if necessary, but in this one, you really want them to be able to own this one, right? You want to make sure that they're able and capable of doing this one. We want to step it up. We add the atomic oblique crunch, which is now adding rotation to the movement, which is now bringing both elbows to one side and then the other side. So I'm down, knees to the right, down, knees to the left. That's our step up. Our check down. See how my knees are down? I'm going to give myself a push up. Come up into the plank, crunch. Come back down, push up. Come up into the plank and crunch. So there you go. There you have it. That is going to be your real first introduction to understanding how we can scale this. If you take a look again, review your body checks, review your common faults, and then look at those swing thoughts, right? How do I correct it? You know, everybody has their own. Um, I can't say I have any really good ones on my own for this particular one, but what I will tell you is, hey, use this template right here as a way to kind of just see how we can 
you know, really vacillate with these things here. So you saw this, the kneeling triceps, that's the one we're going to move next. Okay, the kneeling tricep is going to be next. That is going to be another version of a push. So we're going to change the strap length slightly. That's going to help us to be a little bit more successful on this one. This one, it says mid-calf. It can definitely be done in mid-calf. It can also be done at mid-length. So I'll show you both. But in any case, you can see how we can check this up. Standing triceps or kneeling tricep extensions, vector assist. I'll talk to you about how that works. So back to it. Holding the strap length where it is, okay? Holding the strap length where it is for sake of just staying consistent. Let's start on the ground, facing away from my anchor point. So my back is to my straps. I'm going to have my hands out in front of me. So this is going to reduce a good portion of my body weight. You can see my hands are about shoulder height. What should be stable? What should be mobile in this particular movement? You're going to see that the knees are going to move, but only the elbow should be really the thing we're focused on what's moving. Everything between knees and shoulders should be really should be relatively stable. So I lock it in place. I drop my head between my thumbs, and I press away. Right? Always keep a little distance between you and the straps or the straps themselves so the hands aren't touching. But again, head between the hands and press all the way. All right, if we feel we can check it up, we're gonna have them stand up. All right, the strap length would change, we'd bring it to mid length for the standing version of this one, but ultimately by standing, we're increasing the load because the vector change, right? The steeper we go, the harder it's gonna get. We find an angle that we can do, do well, and again, consistently head between the thumbs, and then press back. If I need to find, hey, that's too hard, I can't get that far, that range of motion. What do I do? I walk forward, change my angle, make it steep, make it shallower, and now I can consistently and repetitively make sure that the standard is repeated and done perfectly every single time. All right, kneeling triceps. You saw how we were able to check it up, how we were able to step it down appropriately. All right, now we have the TRX hinge. This is by far one of my favorite exercises. So for those of you who are really wanting to add some new things to your clients, I would tell you this becomes a staple, all right? It's not necessarily easy. You can see here, the step up goes to hinge to a chest press, which I'll be happy to show, and then a hinge standing facing away. So. Let's start off with the hinge itself. So once we are there, the level in which we're gonna try this is going to be at the most challenging, and then we'll, at least the challenging start one, is straps are gonna be fully lengthened, okay? Fully lengthened. If you have your straps at the appropriate height, then ultimately what that's gonna mean is the bottom of your foot cradle should be about six inches from the floor, okay? And for sake of getting the proper angle, okay, I'm gonna stand facing my anchor point. Now, if you notice, the first thing I'm gonna do is put my hands onto those handles. The minute I load those straps, not even in this exercise, but the minute I load the straps, my core reflect, you know, reflexively turns itself on, so I'm already creating core tension. Now, 
we know that when we're standing, generally we say that the steeper you go, the harder it's going to get. Okay. This is the only real standing exercise that we use what we call the pendulum principle, right? Which is generally a ground-based approach to making things harder or easier. But in this particular case, the pendulum principle comes into play because the further I get away from the straps or the anchor point, the harder this exercise will get. The closer I get, the easier it's gonna get. So I always suggest, let's start somewhere about let's say two feet, two to two and a half, three feet from the straps or from the anchor point, and then push down. Common fall, you're gonna see people swing in like it's a like it's a, a swing. You're also gonna see people reach with the hands. You're gonna see them bend the knees. These are some things as well. And at the bottom, you might see them begin to collapse a low back where they get into a really extended state with the lumbar spine. You really want to stay away from excessive, you know, extension there. So I push down, lock everything in place. I want you to notice my speed in this one. I'm not going to create speed. I'm going to slow the tempo down to create more intensity. So from here, I come all the way down. And when I get to the bottom, I level my hips. And I shoot those hips backwards. Notice, I took the knees out. What's the difference between a squat and a, and a hinge? The hinge becomes hip dominant. The squat combines the two. So we want to make sure we, we respect that and we come in with the knees slightly bent, but fixed. We come back with the knees slightly bent, but fixed. That's the hinge. I, again, I invite all of you to give this a try. Just see where you need to start. If you feel like, hey, this is what I'm doing, I'm swinging in, you have to turn on the core tighter to create more tension. So really hunker down and squeeze as, squeeze as tight as you possibly can. Now, if you find, hey, how can I make this one more challenging? Right, The step up on this one is going from a hinge to a chest press. Again, we're combining two movements, getting more out of one. I'm going to lock it in place. I'm going to lean forward, keep the straps right up against the arms. Once I'm in my plank, drop the chest between the hands, press, and hinge back. I made it look a lot easier than it is, and it's only because I've been doing this for so long. But again, really great combination exercise. I'll show you again, lock it in place, all right? Slow, 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 don't let gravity beat you. When you get to the bottom, drop the chest between the hands, come back to your plank, push position, and then drive the hips backwards. Highly effective, but highly challenging as well. So the next one, let's look at the check down. If you can't start this with standing facing the anchor point, then what we're going to do is turn around and stand facing away. So this is where we start actually under the anchor point. The straps will naturally already sit up against the shoulders. And then from here, as we lock it in, okay, if we lock it in, I'm going to drive the hips in and then back. This is really good just to really set the standard. Remember, we said this earlier, the big thing we're looking for is accuracy. 
So this may be a really good starting uh, exercise uh, who's, who's somebody who's brand new to suspension training who's never done this. And you can see, what's this moving? The only thing that's really moving are my hips, and that's where we get the hinge out of this. As they progress, as they feel more comfortable, as you feel more comfortable, then I'm going to start moving more of my body under the anchor point. In essence, right, I was starting here. Now I'm moving further away. And I'm utilizing gravity. Gravity becomes now my assistant in this particular move. It, I get it, it makes it a little easier, makes it a little harder, depending upon how further I move away from that anchor point. All right, let's continue as we move on. So remember, hinge, check it down with the hinge standing facing away or under the anchor point and moving away from the straps, or the check up or step up, which is gonna be the hinge to the chest press. All right, as I move forward, you can see we have a pull and a squat. I wanna to try to get through these. You know, we've got about another 15 minutes, so I wanna make sure I get through these enough and quickly for you. So we're gonna combine these two together. You can see where we're gonna start, single arm row. From that, we're gonna move into the biceps curl, the bottoms of squat and hamstring curl. So let's start you on the single arm row. This requires us to go into a single handle. I'm probably not gonna demonstrate the other ones, but you can see real simply, I mean, I'm not gonna demonstrate the, the checkups or the step downs, but you can see single arm row, higher vector, that means steeper, or single arm row, lower vector, that means more, more shallow, okay? So single arm row is gonna be the first one we do, all right? So what do I need to do in this particular case? I'm gonna come up under the straps. I'm gonna shorten them all the way up, all the way up to the top. And here, this becomes a single handle exercise. So you can let this one go, nothing wrong with that one. And then, facing my anchor point, I'm gonna widen my feet, bring my hands by my side. I wanna act as if there's a second handle in my other hand, so it shouldn't look like this hand isn't doing anything. Create some level of activity, so bring it side by side. Look up at your anchor point, keep that body nice and tight like a, like a plank. Let's lean back. Don't let that outside shoulder rotate and pull yourself all the way back up. This is your single arm bicep or your single arm row. As I want to make it more challenging, I go steeper. If I want to make it easier, I go shallower. The one thing you have to look at, let me switch sides here, is common fall. As your client comes down, they begin to rotate. This shouldn't be a rotation. You're, you're resisting rotation. You're not creating it. So as I lean back, can I maintain shoulder square and hip square? That is your single arm row. Moving on to the biceps curl, strap length change, right? So listen, as you're hearing me, I'm hoping you're kind of piecing this together. I named the exercise. Then I tell you immediately the strap length. That's my naps mister in play. So I'm going into mid length. I'm standing facing the anchor point for the biceps curl as well. Right, and starting posture, really important. We kind of want to know where we're going to finish this move. So this exercise is recommended to start where you're going to finish the exercise. So start with your elbows up, right, off of the rib cage. And you want your pinkies. If you remember the triceps press, we had the thumbs to the temples. Well, here, the pinkies are the temples. The biceps and the triceps, same, same exact move, just the load has changed. So I find an angle that's comfortable, that I can maintain the standard, hold the plank nice and tight. You lean back, 
Without moving the shoulders, hold the head right between the hands. So all the way down and all the way up. Good. That happens to be my biceps curl. All right, so you can see how we got two different pulls in there, the single arm pull. First time you've actually seen a little bit of rotation, so we're doing multi-planner type of stuff. And then you saw the biceps curl look exactly like the triceps. Now, let's take a look at the bottoms up squat. Not a lot of people teach it this way. TRX is a definitely big proponent of doing this. I love the approach because it really helps you, it helps you explore range of motion. It helps you to use the straps for good posture. And it helps you to reclaim some of those lost range of motions that maybe in time, you know, in age and, you know, levels of activity have changed, not for the more positive. So strap length is mid. We're standing and facing the anchor point. I'm going to bring my hands right by my side. I'm going to set up into a natural just stance for myself. And then from here, I'm going to lean backwards. Okay, just lean back. Hold on to the straps, and I want you to sit and put your butt on the floor. And if you can do this, ideally we want to see if we can get our, our hips right near our heels. This may be comfortable for some, may not be comfortable for anybody or some people. So if you see that their heels are lifting up, just have them come up high enough that they can get their heels back down. But if they can get down here, once we're here, I'm going to have you turn the palms up. Give me a little bit of a bicep curl, and I want you to just what we call gorilla stomp or scrub the hips. Allow your body to sit into a comfortable position. Here, as I'm pulling onto the straps and pulling myself over my feet, I'm able to maintain good spinal neutrality and a lot of posterior chain activity. From here, I'm going to turn the palms down, look up at my anchor point, press equally into my or not equally, but give me a really good press off those feet, and if I need to, push into those hands to create a nice solid, nice solid uh, bottoms up squat. Let's try it one more time. Elbows by your side, you lean back, you sit, you pull yourself over, lengthening the spine, kind of scrub side to side, find what's comfortable for you, turn the palms down, and press and stand. That is our bottoms up squat. Really good thing to practice. You want everybody to be able to feel what it's like from the bottom to get out. Okay, let's move on. We're going to do the hamstring curl next. Come back to this strap. So the hamstring curl, strap length is going to be handles at kneecaps or as we know mid-cap on your paper there. I'll say mid-cap within, within the, uh, the slides you can see mid-cap. That means the bottom of the foot cradles hit the middle of the calf. And then from here, we're going to be ground facing the anchor point. So we're going to be supine or on our back. I'm going to lie back, put my heels into the foot cradles right here. Once they're in, I'm going to straighten my legs. And I want to make sure that my feet sit directly under the anchor point. Okay, feet directly under the anchor point. Now lie back, palms up. I'm going to push down into those heels to elevate the hips, pull those toes towards your shins, push the heels away from you, and now pull your knees to your chest and extend. Knees to your chest and extend. If you notice, my hips stay elevated, but they're not rising as I do this. They're staying neutral, so I'm just using the legs that get me here. But again, 
from ankles to ears, everything's pretty turned on. It's at least in my posterior chain, it for sure is. So again, hold them up, knees to chest, all the way out, knees to chest, and all the way out. All right, that is my hamstring curl. So again, quick little review, because we're getting there. We're doing really well with our timing and going through things. So you saw that we had this single arm row. From there, we went into the biceps curl. You got a really good idea of what that was like. Then we went into the bottoms up squat. You can see where your step ups and check downs are. So always keep in mind, we start with what's highlighted in yellow. If they're capable, can they go up to this one? If they can't maintain the standard that we check it up, gotta step it down, gotta step it down. We tried the hamstring curl. You can see where we were there. It says hamstring curl is a checkup is a pendulum change. That means the further I move away from the anchor point of my hamstring curl, the harder it gets. The more of my body that I move under the anchor point, the easier it's gonna get, all right? So where are we gonna move on to the next? We've got the lunge. So we're gonna finish here on the lunge. You're gonna love this one. You can see it kind of starts there at the bottom and it really has a ton of, whoop, has a ton, I didn't mean for that to happen. Well, it has a ton of, you know, uh, step ups. So we wanna make sure that we really understand we can get this one down first before we start adding those real big checkups, okay, or those step ups. So start with the lunge. This one's gonna be a standing one. Hands are not on the handles, but I'm gonna at least give you one good option for the checkup. Standing down, what you see there, right, is lunge with support. What would that mean? That would means I would be putting my hands out for my client and allowing them to be able to kind of use me for stability and balance. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But then we can see all of these steps. So let me show you how we get there. Because more times than not, people have a real good struggle with this one. So I'm going to step over to the strap again. And here, like I said, if you remember earlier, any time that we do or we put our feet into the foot cradles, we want our handles at a particular length. That means, again, even though we finished with the hamstring curl and that we had them at, at you know, mid-calf length, that's going to stay the same because I'm still suspending my feet. So just make sure you, you come over to your straps. Make sure that the bottom of your foot cradles are at the middle of your lower leg, or the better one would be just putting your handles at your kneecaps. From here, I'm going to put my back to the, to the uh, suspension trainer and to the anchor point. Again, this is called standing facing away. Now, if you notice, I'm taking a hold of both of my handles and putting together, in essence, making one, one handle and one foot cradle. So from here, it's in my right hand, okay? That means I'm gonna bring my left foot behind me and put my toe in. And then I should be appropriately lined up. That's something you always wanna make sure that you check is that you are lined up with your anchor point. So again, foot up, put it in, make sure that we are standing, facing away from the anchor point, and then from here, okay, from here, this is where we begin to kind of ideally determine where is my client need to be. If they're all over the place, come over, give them some hands, give them a pole, give them anything that they feel more comfortable stability-wise. If they don't, then the first thing we're going to do is have them take that back knee down to the floor, just tap it, and then come all the way back up, okay? All the way down 
and then all the way up. Able to maintain stability the whole time. You want to make sure that that knee tracks within the footprint of your shoe. You're seeing a valgus collapse or a varus knee collapse to the outside. Something to be concerned about and definitely something to address. All right. So you want to make sure you're capable of doing that. Adding external load is always an option. As we begin to check things up, I can come down and add a little bit of a hop. Right? Can I land in the same place I took off? That's a challenge. It doesn't have to be high, but enough to create woo. See? A little bit of instability, a little power, deceleration of load as well. And then, at the top of all of it, if you really want to take it to that level, if you've earned it, the TRX burpee. Okay, so here I am. The problem with the burpee is it's a single leg, so it makes it significantly harder. Here I am. I drop to the floor. Down, up, jump. Down, up, jump. And I just keep repeating that until I throw up or until I just can't do anymore. All right? So, gang, that is your lunge. There are so many variations within the lunge. The one thing I really love about suspending your feet or suspending your foot in the, in the suspension trainer for the lunge is the amount of variable, variables that you can add to it. You can see what's here. I mean, going all the way to the burpee, but I can add a push. I can add a single leg crunch. There are so many options within this one. So what do we have next? Let me go ahead and move on over. All right, and what I want you to be able to see in this last and final slide here is some sequencing that we have, okay? Some of the sequencing you have, you see the exercises and how we lay them out. You see what we have here is an AMRAP eight minutes or an EMOM three minutes. It's kind of like putting together what we like to call the, the grind, right? Really grinding through this one. And these are just pieces that we put together. So this gives, this gives you a generalized idea of some things that we can do. TRX inverted row to bicep curl, hinge the chest press, you got to see that one. The TRX kneeling triceps press, the hamstring curl, the pendulum, right? Resistance in that one, and then the lunge. Ideally, gang, just take a snapshot of this, but you on your own need to start thinking about how do I piece these together? But when it all comes down to it, gang, go back, go really go back to that movement modification methodology and make sure we set the standard. Make sure we have range of motion. Make sure that we can, we can control the load and still maintain the standard. Make sure that we can, you know, we can provide them with some condition changes, but still maintain the standard as well. That's an important one. Working on tempo and speed, always a good condition to change as well, making sure they maintain the standard. And then finally, think about how well they can do this with their endurance, right? Their rest, to, you know, their, their work to rest ratios. And that is really the essence of what suspension training is, taking seven foundational movements and distilling hundreds and hundreds of exercises out of them. So I hope you had a really good time with me today, gang. Put them to the test. Check out trxtraining.com and see what we have available to you. It was my pleasure to be here, and I thank you, and good luck with your training in the virtual world.